Last couple of weeks, we've been talking about Solomon, and he was the king of Israel. He wrote three books that we know of, and he wrote lots of different things, but he wrote three books that are in the Bible. One was the book of Proverbs. The other was the book of Ecclesiastes. And the other one was called the book of the Song of Songs. And how many of you, just raise your hand if you've read the Song of Songs before, if you read, or this, maybe called the Song of Solomon, okay? Um, this, this, is a, this is a unique book. For one, it's unique because it and one other book in the Bible, it doesn't actually mention ever the name of God. Like you won't find God's name in the book but you'll find him all throughout the book, okay? He's in there, but you just won't find his name. The Song of Songs literally means the finest of all songs. It's like the best thing that Solomon had written out of all the things that he wrote. There's a theme in this book, and there's a couple different ways you can interpret the book. And I'm going to, I'm going to, this will be a PG version of the book. <laughs> um, if you just read it, you'll know why I said that. But it is, it, is, um, it is a picture of intimacy between a man and a woman. And it's also a picture of the beauty of the love between God and his people. And, and I think we'll find both of those in there. And so, just a disclaimer, if you are... If you've lost a spouse or if you um, maybe you've been through a divorce or, or whatever, if you are single, this, this message is still for you, okay? I don't want you to get lost, especially when it comes to talking about relationships, because what I want, what I would love for you to do is to say, hey, when the timing is right, when God brings someone else into my life, I want to love them this way, and I want them to love me like this, okay? If you are married, um, and you are with your spouse today, I would just reach out and hold their hand and hold on because this is for you. It's going to be, hopefully it'll be an encouragement to you to love your spouse rightly. And so I don't want you to get lost and think, well, he's going to be talking about marriage. And so I don't really, it's not me right now. And so for whatever reason, but don't get lost in that because we'll also talk about how we can also love Jesus and how he, he loves us. Does that make sense? Fair enough, okay, because I realize, I mean, I don't know everybody's story, but I know a lot of the stories, and I know that we come in with our own unique story um, and our own unique position. Uh, listen, I've been married once before. My wife was married once before. We, we met um, after those marriages were over, and so we are the, a second marriage, and statistically, those are not supposed to work out very well. But I think we're making it work pretty good. We're 23 years in. Um, and so, but, but it's work, right? If you're, in a, if you're married, if you're in a relationship, it's work. It's not easy. And, but it's, but it is, um, it's worth fighting for. So there's these interpretations that come along with this book. Um, and I, I found this quote. That, uh, that was in one of the uh, studies that I was doing as I got prepared for this. And it said, our world is confused about marriage. There is a, there's a you know, prevalence of divorce and modern attempts to redefine what marriage looks like and what it stands for in contrast to what Solomon is writing in, the, in Scripture. 
Marriage, says this biblical poet, is to be celebrated, enjoyed, and revered. This book gives some good advice um, in lots of different areas. And so we're going we're gonna to unpack that just a little bit today. So if, if you will, turn in your Bibles to the Song of Songs. It's about midway through the Bible. So if you just open it up halfway through, you'll get pretty close. In your copy of Scripture, it might say the Song of Solomon, right? But in mine, it says Song of Songs. And so it's this dialogue between a man and a woman and some of her friends kind of interject. And we're, we'll just look at some things, uh, obviously, in, in this passage of Scripture that kind of help us, but also give you some, some just practical wisdom. So if you're familiar with the book, uh, the book of Ephesians, where it talks about, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, where it talks about, you know, wives submitting themselves unto their husbands as unto the Lord, like loving your husbands like you would love Jesus. And I know so what some of you are thinking, yeah, but if he would just act more like Jesus, maybe I would love him more like Jesus. Yeah, and all you women are like, yeah, that's right, uh-huh. And you know what, guys, I'm just telling you, if you'd act more like Jesus, she would love you more like Jesus. I'm just saying, okay? But it also says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. And you're like, exactly. Like, if he would love me like Christ loved the church, then the submission part would come easy. Er. <laughs> Maybe not easy all the time. But love in any context, and no matter where it, where it is that we're talking about love, love is a decision. Love is a choice that you make. And it's, uh, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a feeling. It's not always a good feeling, but it's a decision that we make. And so, um, I'll do, just do this real quick. Keep your hand in Song of Songs, but I want you to look at 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3. Okay, flip on over if you have your, your own copy of Scripture. The Wi-Fi is terrible in here if you can even figure out what it is or the signal is not good in here. So if you have an app, maybe you can access it, I don't know, that you can look up Scripture on it. But book of 1 Peter chapter 3, and just starting at verse number 1. And so it's always good, it's always good like when you're listening to someone speak and you hear a passage of Scripture or whatever, to, you know, either highlight it in your Bible or write a note or whatever. You can go back and, and read it again later on. But it says this. 1 Peter chapter 3, starting verse 1. In the same way, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the word, even if you are in a marriage where you're, maybe your husband's not loving you like Christ loved the church, or he's not walking with the Lord, or he's not living, you know, the way that he's supposed to be, or the way you would love him to live, it says, it says, submit yourselves to your own husband, so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way their wives live. Like there's something powerful with that kind of love. Like you don't even have to say anything. If you just love that way, they can be won over. And some of you, I know you might say, I've been doing that for years. I've been trying to love that way. When is it going to be my turn? But I just know in my own personal story that um, I'll just pat my wife on the back a little bit. She loves me very well, better than I deserve to be loved. And when she loves me like that, you know what it does? It makes me want to be a better man and love her back. 
It do, that, that's the effect that it has on me. It doesn't make me want to run from that. It makes me, it almost shines the light on some imperfections of my own. And I think, man, my wife loves me so good. Now she's got some room to grow. You know, she could, it could get a little better. I don't want her to think it's all, you know, but, but the reality is she does love me well and it makes me want to love her back. It says, when they observe your pure, reverent lives, it says you'll be won over. Now, it says, don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry or fine clothes. It's not saying don't look nice, but it's saying what's on the inside matters more than what's on the outside. Okay, does that make sense? I think that's, that's a good word. The imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is, which is of great worth in God's sight. That's the thing that matters the most. This imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit is great worth in God's eyes. For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. It says, you have become children when you do what is good, or it says, you have become her children when you do what is good and do not fear any intimidation. Husbands, listen, I love husbands. You gotta hold on to this one. This is good. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Listen, men, if you want your prayer life to become powerful, then love your wife and honor her as a co-heir with you in this grace that we receive from God. Like, love her in such a way that your prayers become more, if you, maybe you wonder, like, man, I pray all the time, I just feel like nothing's happening. I would say, step back and think, what is my relationship with, like, with my wife? How am I loving her? How am I honoring, respecting her? And if you're missing something there, it might be the reason why your prayers are being hindered. Just saying. It's a powerful word. It's the word of God. So I want to encourage you to think about that. All right, so here's some practical things for just for marriage and relationships, maybe in general. Give your spouse the attention he or she needs. Take time to truly know them. Try this, try this thing. Sit down together and uh, take a glass, put, put, fill it up about halfway with water, set it on the table and talk about the things in your life that fill you up and drain you with the other person. Just be honest and be real. Like start with, start with um, the, the drains and end with the, the fills because you don't want to end on the drain, all right? So just talk about like, hey, you know, I'll just be honest. When you leave your clothes laying all over the house, it drives me crazy. It drains me. It sucks the life right out of me. Hus I saw some wives looking at their husbands right now. Their, their elbows are in their side. But then, but then to say, but you know what? When you... When you work hard, when you come home after a hard day's work, and I know you've been working hard and you're, you're just taking care of our family, that really fills me up and it makes me feel good to see you work so hard. I would say give two goods for every one negative, all right? <laughs> Make sure you, there's lots of fill there and not as much drain. But you've got to be honest with one another. Get time to know and be honest with one another. I think that's crucial. Um, encouragement and praise, not criticism, not criticism, are vital to a successful relationship. Use your words to build the other person up. Say good and useful things to the other person. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be honest with them. And, and like I said, back to the drain thing. Sometimes we just need to be honest. My wife tells me that. She's like, it can't all be fills. There's got to be some, you know, I said, I know, I get it. But I would encourage you 
to, uh, to take this to a different level. And I encourage you to pray with and for your spouse. And if you're not married, pray for the person that maybe will come into your life someday. Pray for them. Now, it doesn't mean pray about your spouse. There's a difference there. Pray for them and pray with them. It's one of the most intimate and most vulnerable things you can do as a married couple is pray together out loud. I know it scares some of you to death. Listen, it's intimidating for me sometimes. But just, there's real power in it. It doesn't have to be huge and elaborate, just something simple. Just start out, this, this season that we're in, especially right now, just start out by just saying something that you're thankful for, for that person. And just use it in a form of a prayer. Like, God, I'm so thankful for the way that my wife loves her children. I'm so thankful for that. Amen. Super easy. Doesn't cost a lot, just a little bit of time. Number three, enjoy each other. Plan some getaways. Be creative, even playful with each other. Delight in God's gift of married love. I won't go too deep into this. I won't make a big deal out of this. But listen, if it is still possible and still beneficial, be intimate with one another. Make that a priority in your marriage. You did when you were younger. Continue to do so. Be creative. Look for ways to, to encourage the other person. Um, I would say in so many different of these areas, one of the things you can do, especially in this area, is just go to the person, sit down with them and say, hey, what do you need from me right now? What do you need from me right now? And then if it's within your ability to, to, to give that to them, then do what you can to make that happen. Uh, I, I realize that with... Um, with schedules and time and and especially as we get a little bit older uh, that those things change in life and I get it Um, I asked this uh this older lady one time I was like do you at some particular point you just decide like hey we're we're not going to be intimate with each other anymore do you like you make a decision as far as that goes and she said well I just told my husband my sex drive drove out of town a long time ago and he needed to find a new hobby (laughs) if at all possible Turn around and drive back home, okay? I'm just saying, if at all possible. No pressure there, but I'm just saying that is a valuable part of, of marriage. And I'll, I'll tell you the number, I can't even tell you the number of times I've had conversations with men especially, not just men, but sometimes women, but men especially as a man, who this is an area where they're, they're hurting inside. They're hurting. Um, and it's very, very personal to them, and they don't know what to do about it, and it's very frustrating for them. And so if... If you need professional counseling to work through some of those issues, then I encourage you to do it because it's worth it to make that person a priority in your life. And then do whatever is necessary to reassure your commitment to your spouse. Renew renew your vows. Um, Work through some issues. If it's all possible, try not to consider divorce a solution. But but listen, here's a caveat. Here's a, a side note. I am not one of those pastors that will tell you you absolutely should not and could and cannot get a divorce. Like if you do, you're going to hell. I would never say those words. I'd say divorce is painful. It hurts everybody that's involved in it. And we all, and most of us maybe know exactly what I'm talking about because a lot of us in this room have experienced that. All right? Listen, if there's abuse going on and there's neglect and there's, there's pain happening, whether it's physical or verbal or mental, whatever it is, 
then if you just can't make it work, then there's times where two people probably shouldn't be together. Do you hear what I'm saying? But I'm saying if there's a way to make it happen, try to stay together. Try to, to, to invest and work on it if it's possible. Not being happy is not necessarily a valid reason for divorce. If that was the case, we probably would have got a divorce at some point. If you're just not happy. You know, Jesus understands our pain. He took all of the sin of the world on his shoulders. He knows what it's like to suffer. So maybe the seasoning of suffering is making us stronger and preparing us for something greater. I don't know. But just, so that, just because you're not happy is not a valid reason. And then once again, back to that, uh, like, what do you need from me right now? Like, how can I, how can I bless you? How do, what do you need me to do for you to bless you? It's a powerful question we can all ask. I think God intends for all of us to live in a deep, peaceful, secure love in our relationships. That is, that's his desire. All right, here's a, Here's just a little side note, just something to, to lighten the mood a little bit. All right, so you young men, don't be trying these as pickup lines, all right? Don't even, don't even take notes, don't even try this because it's not going to work. But if you're a married guy, here's a little help for you, all right? If you need, some, you need some help in this particular area in romance. Men, you can start out with saying something like this. This comes right out of Song of Songs, verse, chapter 1, verse 15. How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful your eyes, your eyes are like doves. Try that, try that. See how that works for you. Um, now that you've warmed up a little bit, you can go a little bit deeper. You can say, how beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful behind your veil, your eyes are doves. Your hair is a flock of goats streaming down Mount Gilead. <laughs> Next time she comes home from getting her hair done, go with that, guys. <laughs> Honey, your hair. It's like a flock of goats. The Bible says so. <laughs> what is she going to say? She can't say anything about it. It's the Bible, all right? It's the Bible. Your teeth are like a flock of newly shorn sheep coming up from washing. Each one bearing twins. That's good news. You haven't lost any yet. And no one has lost its young. <laughs> Women. Not to be outdone, okay? Some of you are taking notes. Guys are like, dude, that is, that is gold. That's going to be awesome. Can't wait to get home and share this one. And now it goes deeper than that, and you read it for yourself, but I'm not going there, all right? It's PG. It's a family program we got going on here. My love, listen to what women says. This is in uh, chapter 5, verse 10 through 15. She's talking about her man. I swear Trish wrote these words. My love is fit and strong. Notable among 10,000. His head is purest gold. Until I get to this part, his hair is wavy and black as a raven. Then I realize she's not writing about me. <laughs> she's writing about what I used to look like when she first met me. His eyes are like doves beside flowing streams, washed in milk and set like jewels. His cheek or like beds of spice. His cheeks are like beds of spice, mounds of perfume. His lips are lilies dripping with flowing myrrh. His arms are rods of gold set with beryl. Yes. Isn't that the way we want our wives to look at us, men? 
you may want to go to the gym <laughs> if you really want to make that happen, or at least try. <laughs> but you know what? It also gives some advice for young women. Listen, young women that are in the room. I don't know why young men are not included in this, but there's some, there's some advice for young I guess you could probably take this the same way, young men. In 2, 7, 3, 5, and 8, 4, it says almost the exact same thing. It says, young women of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not stir up or awaken love until the appropriate time. Maybe what it's saying is, is be patient. Take your time. Don't grow up too fast. Wait, trust the Lord to bring the right person into your life at the right time. When we get too far ahead of him, when we make certain choices, and I know this was the case for me when I was a young man. I, was, I wore my emotions on my sleeve and I, I, I awakened love too early and suffered the consequences of that. And I think maybe the reason why she says these things is because she sees how powerful love is. And I know sometimes in our culture, we get, and just in our world, we get love confused with lust. When that happens, really bad things happen. But she sees the power of love, and it makes you do crazy things. Have you ever done anything crazy because of love? Yes, you're sitting right next to him <laughs> or her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just makes us do it just, it makes us go to, to limits that we would never go to or it makes us do things or say things we'd never thought we would say. But, in, but when you take that and you turn it around and turn it to point it to the Lord, that kind of love to make you do crazy things for him can be a good thing. <laughs> so I think she saw that and she said, hey, don't, don't get too ahead of yourself. Don't awaken love too soon. All right, let's look at chapter, let's go back to Song of Songs, look at chapter 2, verse 4. Okay, I just want to pull out a few key passages of Scripture out of this, out of this book. So in chapter 2, verse 4, it's the woman speaking, and she's talking about her, this man, this, her beloved, her, this groom. And it says, he brought me to the banquet hall. And looked on me with love. And so that's where we, you've, maybe you've heard the scripture before, you've heard the, the saying before that his banner over me is love. And it's this picture of him bringing her to the table where she can have her, her, her physical needs met, where they can eat together and where uh, his love is there resting over her. And that's one of the things I think that as a man, for sure, I just thought about this. One of the things as a man, we, we, we take great pride in providing for our wives and our families. And, and sometimes we get caught up more in, the, in that aspect in our work life and we miss out some of the spiritual things that we're, in the ways that we're supposed to be leading. But I know as a man, like if I can't provide for my family, I feel like I'm a failure. Like if I haven't done enough to make sure that they've had everything that they needed. In this context, he brings her to this banquet hall and he sits her at this table and it says the banner over her is love. And I, and I wanna just, I wanna frame this for you this morning and make sure you understand that God's banner over you is love. It's not condemnation. 
It's not shame or guilt that you maybe have walked in here with or maybe you've felt in the past. It's not uh, war. (laughs) There's banners for war (laughs) and there's banners for love. But his banner over you is love. His idea for you, his thoughts of you are love. Not pain, not hurt, not sorrow, not uh, total annihilation, (laughs) which maybe we feel like we deserve at some time or another because of our past or because of the situation that we're going on, that's going on right now in our own lives. Listen, I was telling a friend of mine this morning before church started, there's a lot of hurt in this room and I only know about a few of them. This, uh, and, and, and the banner over this is love. Listen, this lady that sat at this chair and played the cello, it wasn't too long ago. She just had it's pretty serious surgery. And she should probably be home resting, but she, the banner over her is love and her love for the Lord and her love for this church. You know, she came and she played this morning, but she's in a battle Lord, for, her, for her life. She's going through cancer. So keep praying for her, you know? Keep praying for her. The guy... <laughs> who plays the drums. Last week, he was in a car accident. He could have died. His car died, (laughs) and now they're in a battle. They're in a battle fighting to get it covered and get that taken care of. It's a financial nightmare if that doesn't happen. So pray for them. Lift them up and pray for them. Encourage them. Don't let it. And he gets here early, and he sets this up, and he does this because the banner over him is love. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know, and then just story after story. All of us walk in with this pain. But listen, all of us are invited to the table. I wish I could have a table set up here where we could all just sit at the table and just eat together and enjoy each other's presence and sit under this banner called love and experience the intimacy and just the the delight that that God has in you. But the enemy, enemy would lie to you and he would tell you you're not welcome at the table. Have you ever felt that way? I felt that way. He would say, you're not invited. Nobody wants you at the table. Speaking of the table, you're going to have, you're going to sit at a table this week and you're going to eat together. There's probably going to be people sitting at that table that you wish weren't at that table. You hear what I'm saying? Maybe a family member. You may be sitting at the table, you may be thinking, there's probably people that don't want me here. Or there may be people you wish were at the table, they're not there for whatever reason. Because either they've gone on to be with Jesus or they're living in captivity by some addiction and they just can't be there. All right. But my encouragement to you is to treasure whoever is there this week and be grateful for them and be thankful for God's provision in your life. All right, let's get back to the story. All right, so we looked at, we looked at the, some practical tips for, for marriage, but let's look at some practical application for our relationship with Jesus, okay? Okay. So we're, we're invited to the table. His banner over us is love. 
And so let's, let's, let's look at this. And it, kind of in the same way we looked at it with the relationship between a man and a woman, we're going we're gonna to do it between us and Jesus. What would it look like for you to give Jesus the attention that he deserves? What would it look like? What decisions do you need to make today to get to truly know him? What decisions do you need to make today to get to truly know him? Maybe the first thing is, is just receive the invitation to come and sit at the table and let him serve you, let him feed you, eat with him, spend some time getting to know him. Encouragement and praise, like in a marriage, are vital. Worship Jesus. Praise him. Thank him for all that he has done, not just this week, but every day. Just thank him. Even for the difficult things that you're walking through right now, flip it around and say, you know what? Thank you. Thank that we're wrestling with this right now because, God, you're going to receive the greater amount of glory when you deliver us out of this mess that we're in. So even be thankful for that. Um, enjoy him. Enjoy him. Just get away with him. Delight him. Delight in Jesus. Now, guys, I want to encourage you in this. You do not have to give up your man card to delight in Jesus. I know sometimes we get a little feminine, touchy-feely in church. We talk about love, and you're like, oh, I just really can't relate to that. Um, man, you can praise him no matter where you're at. You can praise him in the deer stand. I also know there's some women in here that hunt. You can praise him in the deer stand too. But guys, listen, no matter where you're at, no matter what it is that you're doing, you can delight in Jesus. You can. If you're working, man, the other day on Thursday, all these men got together and we went to Vicky's house and we helped clean up her backyard. And man, we enjoyed his presence and we enjoyed each other. You know, we were worshiping together. Though it didn't look like this, it looked a little bit different, but that's what we were doing. And then we all sat down and ate and we had an apple crisp that was from heaven, all right? It was made in a cast iron skillet. It was to die for. It was really, really good. You missed out if you didn't show up to help. I'm sorry. But you don't have to give up your man card to delight in Jesus. It doesn't have to be um, the way that maybe you think you're thinking about it, but you can praise him and delight in him. I saw this video, and I, I think I posted it. It's got this guy named Vody Bachman. It was this uh, black preacher is preaching about husbands loving your wives. I don't know if you guys saw that or not. Anybody saw, see that, that I posted it? You guys, none of you pay attention to what I post, obviously. All right, it's not important. <laughs> don't, don't, don't watch it. Don't, it's no big deal. But he was talking about how guys are saying, you know what? I'm just not emotional. You know, I'm just not an emotional guy. I really can't get in touch with my emotions. Oh, Really? When you killed the deer, were you excited? When your team scores, are you excited? When you get mad because you're terrible golf shot, do you show some emotion? When you come home, when you go to work and things are bad, you get angry there, you show some emotion, right? And he's like, you can't show emotion to your wife? He's like, obviously you love sports and your, and your job more than you love your wife. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable and show some emotion. Enough of that. Last thing, do whatever is necessary to reassure your commitment to Jesus. Work through whatever frustrations you have in your walk with him. And work through whatever frustrations you have with each other in the body of Christ. Nothing will kill 
your worship experience with Jesus more than your frustration and anger towards somebody in this room or somebody that's not here. That's the reason why he commands us to get up and leave the altar and go and make things right with one another and then come back. We've got to learn to love and forgive one another if we're expecting him to forgive us. Ask this question, Jesus, what do you need from me right now? What do you need from me right now? Turn to uh, chapter 8. We'll wrap it up here. Chapter 8, verse 6. Sorry, verse 6. And she's, she, once again, she's talking to her beloved, and she, and this is us to Jesus. She says, set me as a seal, a seal on your heart, as a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, and jealousy as relenting as Sheol, which is the grave. Love's flames are fiery flames, an almighty flame. She's, she's telling him, receive me unto yourself. Make me your own. Adopt me as your own. Receive me. Take me. Make me your possession. It's a beautiful picture when it comes to us and Jesus. Jesus, set me as a seal upon your heart. Like, just possess me, own me, take me. For his love is strong as death, and jealousy is unrelenting as the grave. You know, God is a jealous God. And when we give our affections to others or other things, he's jealous for you. Did you know that? Not in an unhealthy, like, cyber-stalking kind of way. <laughs> no. He longs for you. He set the table for you. He, he's waiting for you to come and sit at it. He has a deep, deep desire to relate to you. Whether you are 90 or whether you're nine, <laughs> he has set eternity in your heart and he is longing for you to draw near to him. That's his desire. And it says love's flames are fiery. Charles Spurgeon said, I cannot comprehend how is it that some of us are so cold towards the Lord Jesus Christ? How is it that we can even for a moment tolerate this Wicked, diabolical, Laodicean lukewarmness towards him whose love for us is like a flaming fire. If only you could comprehend his love for you. It says in verse seven, a huge torrent cannot extinguish love. No storm can come into your life and take away his love. Nothing, the Bible says, can separate you from it. Nothing. Not even death. Matter of fact, if you're a follower of Jesus, death actually ushers you into a, the greatest form of life and love that you've ever experienced. 
It says, rivers cannot sweep it away. If a man were to give all of his wealth for love, it would be utterly scorned. Money can't buy you love. And you can't give enough monetarily or materialistically to earn God's love back. It's not how it works. The only thing that you can give him, the only thing that is required is the very thing that he's given you in the first place, and that's your life. That's it. And it says, what does a man benefit if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Like, you can have everything that money will buy you, but it doesn't buy you the thing that you need the most, and that is his love. Paul McCartney was was asked about the song, uh, Can't Buy Me Love. They said, what was the meaning behind that? He says, well, the reality is, is that, that no matter how much money you have, no matter how many things you possess, it doesn't buy the very thing you need the most. I don't know that McCartney really understood at that particular time that it was Jesus that he needed the most. Matter of fact, he later on came back and said, we should have just said money can buy love because he experienced lots of things that the world has to offer. But all those things matter not when it comes to the thing that really matters the most, right? And that is the love of the one whose banner over you is love and the one who's inviting you to his table. Matter of fact, in Scripture it says, you should sell all those things, put all those things behind you and come and follow me and experience my love in a very profound and impactful way. Worship team's going to come. And uh, I just want hopefully you walk away encouraged with some tools maybe to strengthen uh, your earthly relationships, but also to really zero in and focus on how you can strengthen your, this vertical, this heavenly relationship that we have with, with the Lord. Um, for some, last week we, we, we talked about like, have you ever given your heart to Jesus? And I know there's a few that had said they had never done that before. Um, maybe the next, maybe the next step is, is you, maybe you're here this morning, so you know I've I've done that, but I've never, I've never really um, solidified my love for the Lord by by going through the waters of baptism and showing that I'm really willing to bury an old life and walk in a new life. And maybe, maybe that's you today. Maybe you say, I've never been baptized. I need to do that. I need to make that. And we can do that here. We, we have a portable baptismal thing that we bring in and we fill it up and then drain it. Um, and so if you say, you know what? That's something I'd want to do. Like I want to get baptized. Uh, let us know. And then we'll try to set up a time that works for you and works for the guy who does our baptisms for us. Um, maybe God's put that on your heart. Maybe uh, you're here with your your spouse today and you just need to come and pray together if your spouse is not up your playing <laughs> thinking about that uh, or you just need to just pray for you know your future mate young people whatever you need whatever God's put on your heart to pray for but this is this is a time to draw near to God and, and to worship him and to to maybe even come forward and say Jesus what do you need from me right now and uh, he'll give you an answer but I encourage you to, to be faithful to, to respond in obedience to that.
whatever that is. So come, if you will.